Welcome to the RHP Market Talk Podcast, Episode 22, brought to you by Royal Harbor Partners Wealth Management, located along the beautiful Gulf Coast of Houston, Texas, serving families across the country. I'm Natalie Pika, founding partner. And I'm Glenn Royal, founding partner. I'm Jason Strzeski, investment analyst. Welcome, guys. And here we are once again <laughs> um, to another podcast. And it feels like we keep talking about the same subjects. Just recently finished up the Fed meeting, late August Fed meeting in Jackson Hole. Inflation, 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 and interest rates. So just to kind of kick us off, we got another 75 basis point hike. We're probably going to get a few more hikes this year. We've seen some market volatility certainly over the summer. As we're recording this podcast today on September 6th, we're seeing some green on the screen. Where are we now? That's the big question. Yeah, where are we going? Those are great questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, you know, Anybody got a crystal ball? Yeah, That's what yeah, I want to yeah. know. Sometimes it's cracked, but uh, yeah, we have one. <laughs> yeah, so you did. You had a Jackson Hole meeting, and, and you kind of quickly set that up. June was last time we were visiting, and you had that's when the market started to rally. It had sold off to the bottom of June, mm-hmm. and we talked about it. it looked like capitulation that day, and then sure enough, participants came in, the market took off. Yep. And then we got to Jackson Hole, and what the Fed was saying is, wait a second, cool your jets. Yep. You are misunderstanding and misreading us. the The consequences of this market rallying over the summer was it basically negated all of what the Fed was engineering, which was a tightening of financial conditions. And it, you know that's what they're trying to do to cool this economy down, to bring inflation down. They do it by tightening financial conditions. Goldman Sachs has created an index called the Financial Conditions Index. It's something we track. And you can clearly see it. So as equities rally and the bonds rally, that eases financial conditions. Powell did at Jackson Hole Tighten. Back up. <laughs> yeah, bringing the market back to reality. Right. Uh, the market was really pricing in that the Fed didn't have to do that much. Okay, inflation's finally ticking down a little bit. Still pretty high. So I, the market was waking up. We've got plenty of work ahead of us. The terminal rate, you know, that's something that's talked about quite frequently. Where are we? Where are we going? And how long are we going to be there? That's the real question for 2023 and beyond. If I had the answer to that, I'd be only working for myself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, the terminal rate is, that's that end rate, right, where the Fed's going to finally stop raising rates. And Jason, we've looked at this, and currently the Fed, I think, is around three and a half Fed funds, or excuse me, two and a half Fed funds rate. What they're trying to do here in order to cool the economy is they're taking the federal funds rate through what we call neutral. So the neutral rate is that Goldilocks rate, not too hot, not too cold, just enough to continue the economy. Well, that's kind of a soft target. We, there's no hard rate what that is. So there's an assumption it's around 3.5%, Fed's 25 So we look at what's the terminal rate. My guess would be that it's going to be to where the Fed, and based on what Chair Powell is saying, it's through that neutral rate. So if the neutral rate's 35 maybe the terminal rate's four. And we had another Wall Street Journal article out this morning talking about a three-quarters of a point increase in rates at the meeting here in September. I take three-quarters there, I take another half in November, and then a quarter point in December, and I'm at 4% Fed funds rate. So then we start to see 
it, it, this is the terminal rate in the senses, is that too much? And we can talk a little bit further, Jason. You and I look at the, uh, the inflationary outlook and what mm-hmm. the Fed's trying to do to get it back down its 2% average inflation target. Yeah, that's, that's the tough point. We're in the mm-hmm. show me stage yeah. of this hiking cycle. We have a couple under our belt already, but we're waiting to see the data, the economic data, things start to cool down and those conditions tighten. To your point earlier, with the equity market rallying from mid-June to mid-August, all of those conditions that were tightened, which the Fed was trying to do, was blown right back up. So we're waiting to see the data. It's very patchy at this point, so we're really data-dependent. The Fed is very data-dependent to try and get some direction, how much to hike, how quickly and how steeply to do it. We've also got the issue that, I mean, this inflationary environment that we're in is somewhat a bit unnatural and unprecedented, right? I mean, it's we're talking exactly. about the Russian-Ukraine war. We're talking about supply chain logistics issues. We're post-COVID, right? Pandemic. Those are not your typical inflationary issues that we've had to deal with in the past. No, I think so, we haven't had it in 30 years, and all of a sudden that brings it on. Yeah, what is the risk going in the other direction as the Fed is basically stepping on the gas as hard as it can, well, and they've said they're going to continue, right? Yeah, then the risk that the market will start to price in is a Fed policy mistake. You've heard this term a lot yep. being thrown around. That's where the Fed raises rates too much and throws us in the recession because they were excessive on monetary policy. Um, that's a real risk. I mean, it, it's always a risk, and, and I think the track record of the Fed shows you that that's a probable risk, you know, the way their, their history is. is and, and it got to be the challenge of it because what the Fed is doing today typically isn't felt in the economy for a year. Right, mm-hmm. so exactly. what makes this cycle so much interesting and different is what they call front-loading. So because we were at rock bottom, a quarter of a point, zero on Fed funds rates, and they're trying to get us back to that neutral rate, this degree of change, almost four percentage points, you know, three and three quarters, if I go to four on the Fed funds rate, that's pretty drastic. And so a lot of what we're seeing today that the Fed's action hadn't even impacted the shit. We talk about how effective the tools are of the Fed, but they're blunt. I think you're seeing that in the mortgage market today, and quite handily. You're seeing reduced prices in homes. Mm-hmm. You're seeing formerly hot areas of the country, Salt Lake City, some of these mm-hmm. others, really cool down. So the impact is starting to come in through the system, and we're seeing it today for those first early hikes. That's my concern. Isn't so much that inflation continues to rip away from us and all that. I'm more concerned that. The nature of inflation that we had today, the Ukrainian war, the logistics, COVID, and uh, all that cheap money that came in the system. A lot of that stuff heal itself, right? That's, I hate to use that word transitory, but that's what they were kind of talking about. You don't necessarily need monetary policy to cool those right. things off. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, my concern is that we're going to get the inflation call wrong, not that it goes up, that it drops faster than we expect because of that self-correcting nature of it. So if there, we then have the Fed that's this late in the game with another you know, 150 basis points to tack on to this thing, the federal fund rate, I think that's a risk. So yeah. we're getting to the riskier area of mm-hmm. the Fed hiking cycle, and it will be data dependent, as Jason was saying. I, 
no one will want to see a CPI print like you know Wall Street. Uh, we'll be hmm. watching this stuff like a hawk. Yeah, we'll be Absolutely. looking at the PCE, CPI. We'll look at labor. You know, you had a pretty good job. That's something that's really peculiar about this whole setup we're in. All of them are different, but this one, the consumer's in pretty good shape. Government's in pretty good shape. Yeah. So are corporations. And I was going to touch on that, Glenn. The underlying economy is still strong. We have a good economy, and that's why we're able to do this. And that's why it's got most of the street under the belief that if we are in a recession, we very well might be, but it'll be very shallow and short, uh, yeah. not too long. I would think so. Uh, and that's our hope that it is shallow and short, and we don't have to have a, a deep recession, particularly one associated with big job losses. You know, that's mm-hmm. normally when I think of recession, I think of job losses. Right. We are seeing job losses in certain sectors of the economy, technology notably, and that's probably more related to the cost of capital. Exactly. These rates have gone up, they're having to pay where before. All of those companies. You can, you companies, can have a lot of mistakes. Yeah. With exactly. Yeah. All those companies that were propped up on cheap money. So yeah. we're seeing that get filtered out of the system, which, again, brings us back to more of our investment philosophy, looking for value-oriented companies, dividend payers, real assets. We've been talking about this all year, and we're, we're sticking to it. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of take all of this information. Now, we're the people that get to kind of be behind the curtain, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we've got all this data and this information, and we're putting these portfolios together. We have kind of the inside information as knowledge on how those portfolios are constructed. But let's talk about how this feels to that consumer, to this typical retail investor, to the current clients, right? Where markets are down, mm-hmm. right? Portfolios are down. Yeah. We know what we own. We know why we own it. We know what we expect from that. We don't have crystal balls. We can't, you know, make a, a prediction, but we have the data. But how does it feel to that typical investor out there who needs to understand these are business cycles, even though this is an unusual one. We're going to move through these cycles, and we manage through those cycles. How do we kind of address that psychological bent, right? It's our job to take that out of play. We take investing from a fundamental standpoint, take emotions out of it, and stick to very strict principles that guide our portfolio decisions. We might have data-based tactical tilts in certain sectors and areas of the market, but it's based on the data that's out there. And if we need to pivot, we do that very quickly. Yeah, that's why you want eggheads like Jason and I. <laughs> <laughs> you know, frankly, I can tell you how it feels. It's frightening. It's scary. When is it going to end? You know, it, There's all kinds of emotions that go through getting your monthly statement and seeing the value down from the mm-hmm. bottom line. Mm-hmm. It's just it's natural, right? Where I take personally what I do, and I'm no different from everyone else. I'm human. I have these same emotions. As I, I look at what we own, I go to the portfolio and I look at the individual names. We own quality, large, established companies that aren't going to go out of business because Fed funds are at four percent. Not going to happen. So the main thing I really I want investors to understand is we own quality assets. The Fed is raising rates. That's always hard for the markets when they're doing that. The Fed will end the right cycle, mm-hmm. and the cycle will begin again. The gains tend to be three-quarters of the time. The declines are about a quarter. It's part of it. It helps us to correct prices. It helps us to bring valuations back down to normal levels. But it certainly is frightening. It's scary. It turns your stomach. But 
If I can, you know, give our clients any comfort, I would say you have the Royal Harbor Partners working on your behalf. But no, look at the portfolio and see what you own, and I, I think that'll give you sleep comfort at night. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing too is something we reiterate quite a bit: is we really out we value the protection of capital. So that means we prioritize the outperformance on the downside rather than outperformance on the upside. Again, taking less risk for reward, we'd rather do that than step into a market that's more unsure when we have uh, all of our investors. Very well said. That's exactly it. We focus on the downside more than the upside. We want to participate. I mean, making money ranks right up there with oxygen, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not the most important thing, but it's it's up there. So we we fully want to, but the way we're able to do that is to minimize the downside as much as possible. We don't have to work as hard. We just need to participate. Right. And that gives us one room for Well, and I'll tie it all back into what we do on the planning side, right? So, again, Mm -hmm. when we are doing the financial planning and we're looking at what a a person's individual goals, what their value system and their goals are, what we want to do is we want to put that in line with whatever the portfolio activity actually is. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we know historically what the markets look like, what business cycles look like. We can look at that. We just look backwards and look at the history. But we don't know what's going to happen in a person's life. All we can do is do the best that we can to plan and to set aside the assets needed for each goal and help people to think through what it's going to take for a 12-month cycle, an 18, a 24, a 10-year, right? How long are you going to have to get your money to last for you? And Quite frankly, putting it under the mattress right. is probably not no. going to well, get you there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have an it's just not. Fixed income. I, I like to throw that on the table. I have seen it in a long time. Bonds are looking attractive. We talked to you about this, Natalie. Is it? And I think this is important for clients to understand. Is anytime you have a need for cash, a big cash expenditure within one year time frame, mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't put it in the stock market. Bonds are okay. Something stable where we can earn it back. Right. But that's where they work with you and, and Michelle on the planning side of it to know right. how to do that. The other is that this is a really, really good time to address your tolerance for risk. <laughs> you have a tolerance situation in front of you, and if you're finding that it's more uncomfortable, aren't able to look past this, then we need to readdress that. We can do things by dialing back some of your equity exposure. It needs to work with your plan, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are opportunities. So maybe, you know, take away from this is what my real risk tolerance is. Right. And it changes, you know, as the older we get. And if, if you're 20 years old, you ought to be off stocks. You ought to be aggressive as can be. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're that age, to, you got a cell going on here. But if you're getting to be like me and, you know, you see the horizon here, maybe you ought to be a little bit more conservative. Now, that being said, for the first time in over a decade, I've got the opportunity as a portfolio manager to give you a balanced portfolio that where you actually are making money on the bond side. Been a long time. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, the question has been from, you're just hearing it out there across the entire market is, well, what do I do to keep up with the inflation rate when the inflation rate's 8 9%, you know? So in the early stages of, of these events, like inflation coming on, it is hard. Everyone's trying to adjust and find the asset classes. But you will find an asset classes. We will find those that are able to generate that inflation-adjusted return. It may be real estate. It may be alternative investments. Lord knows what. But the market is going to gravitate towards that. We thought it would have been gold, right? Mm-hmm. And gold hasn't performed. Why? Nope. 
because it doesn't pay you one penny in no, interest. No, it does not. And so you're seeing the bond market with those real yields coming up, those inflation-adjusted yields coming up to attractive levels that it's sucking all the money into bonds. Mm-hmm. Those are little things that we're here to help you understand and, and work on the client's behalf. Still, at the end of the day, what Jason and I do is added sidecar to planning. You know, it, it's a means to get you where you want to go, and planning is the map to take us where you want to be. So I think we'll close out with a comment that I've heard thrown out. I think you've mentioned it as well, that markets also have a W pattern, you know, yeah. kind of in the second down of this leg. So go ahead and, you know, I think we started this year out with the roller coaster ride. I feel like I've overused that comment, and, and now we're talking the W. But basically, that's where we are. Let's So we're fixing to be heading into the fourth quarter. I can't even believe we're already talking about the last part of this year. It just mm-hmm. feels like 21 was a blur, and 22 has been a, a bigger blur. But we're talking about a possible W pattern. What do you mean by that? Well, so typically, markets, when they're trying to put in major bottoms, we a W. If you think of the first down part of that character, that's what we had back in June of this year. We had that big sell-off to mm-hmm. price earning multiples very cheap. You know, everything looked really attractive. And then, you know, you get the bounce rally. Bear markets are known for having bear market rallies. They're periodic, they come and, and so within a bear market you can make money if you're a trader. And but we're at that point where markets when they start to correct and you get a little bit further into that they historically try to go down and test that prior level, that first leg of the W. They want to see if that's the real bottom in the market. Most of the time, they get pretty close, and they don't actually undercut that prior low, and that gives you a pretty good comfort level that the bottom's been in place. We, we shake out the weak hands. We shake out the non-investors, the right. runners, the punters, whatever you want to call it. That's what that W is about. So historically, it's been a pretty good technical indicator to help you find bottoms in the market. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we got another Fed meeting. Well, we got three more Fed meetings coming up this year. Mm-hmm. We're expecting expecting some more interest rate hikes. Uh, Going to be watching that inflation data. It's still a lot. It's a lot more of a year to come, even though we've got three months left. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, the one thing we're excited about is that real yields um, in the ten-year. When we last we were looking at corporates mm-hmm. a few months ago, the real yield was at eighty-five basis points, getting an inflation-adjusted real return of eight tenths of a percent. I can tell you, if you want to watch one indicator of what the stock market is going to do, watch the real yields, our treasury bills, which are close to that. But we, as real yields started to roll back over, stocks screamed higher. And then real yields started coming back up, and stocks started going down. Again, because I started getting competition from fixed income. Right. Risk-adjusted returns. So that's the biggest thing. We're, we're back up to 85 basis points on real yields. One gets me really excited. 85 is pretty exciting, but one is like, I know you all know I'm a geek, but I really <laughs> geek out when we start talking this world. But what it means for our clients is we can de-risk the portfolio by adding fixed income and get paid a rate above inflation. I haven't had that since 2008. Yep. Well, thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Jason, for your comments. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners do, too. I just want to thank all of our followers for listening to RHP Market Talk. If you have any questions or you'd like to discuss today's topics, please feel free to contact us through our website at royalharborpartners.com. At RHP, we like to say we are passionate about planning for your financial future. We're devoted to our relationships with multi-generational families for the creation of successful legacies. Through our one-on-one conversations, we can help you navigate your personal wealth management and investment journey. 
How different will your life look with the right advice? Royal Harbor Partners is a registered investment advisor, and the opinions expressed by Royal Harbor Partners on this show are their own. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.